Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Don't Talk. If you don't know, the unofficial, official power rankings and podcast for all things competitive North American teamfight tactics. My name is Frodan. We're back for another week. Today is February 21st. And you may notice, right, we're not broadcasting on a Thursday. It's not like a tournament leading up to the show. That's right. We're back to review the Corrupted Cup that happened just a couple of days ago. Uh, but first, let's check in with my co-host, as always, is Bryce Blum. Bryce, how you doing? You know what? We're chilling. It was a crazy day. I had like a really uh, like up and down day, kind of a rough day. And I even messaged you before we started like, hey, I might not be told myself. And then I hopped on and like we started talking about TFT and my brain just like clicked into TFT mode. This is why TFT is so fucking great, man. It's like it's like (laughs) such a it's such a good escape. Like I, I fucking love this game. I love this community. Oh, that's true. Bryce was telling me, he's like, listen, man, I, you know, the day's been crazy. I'm not sure if I can bring in the podcast. He sits down. He looks happy. He looks like in his element. Nothing has changed to Pete. Uh, glad to have you, man. All right. Speaking of being glad to have him, you may have seen him on our co-streams. You may have seen him uh, dethrone your favorite players from final lobbies the past couple of events. It's Clear TFT. What's up, Clear? Welcome to the podcast, man. Oh, hello. <laughs> I'm Clear. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. How how is the the fire clear right out of the gates? (laughs) Uh, Clear, talk to me a little bit about uh, just, you know, how's life been outside of TFT, like, you know, macro stuff for you? Uh, I mean, I feel like if you ask like any TFT player, they're never going to have a good answer because like if they're like if they're at this level of the game, like they don't do anything except play TFT. So I have not been doing much. Okay, besides TFT and and school, right? Because you're still in school. Oh, I'm working right now, but yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, well, we also want to welcome for the first time Wajin Iverson joining us. Is, do, do you want people to call you Wajin Iverson? Do you want to call you your real name? Like, what, what do you uh, want people to say? He, he was fine. Like, Wajin, Wajin Iverson. Are, like you, are you good at basketball? Is that the origin uh, story here? Uh, not, like, very good, but, like, I was, like, I played on my high school team. Okay. So maybe about that's, that level. Was your high enough. school good? Like, how, wait, how big of a high school are we talking? Is this like you had 12 mm. kids in your class or you had like 100 kids uh, in your it, class? It, it, like 100 kids in the class or something. Okay. okay. Are you tall? You look, you look tall to me. Uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm like 6'2", so pretty tall. Whoa, <laughs> man. TNT players are pretty tall, bro. Like milk yeah, seriously. and soju. Appies. Appies is a job. I, I did not see it coming, man. He's so, I thought he was going to be really small. They're all so tall, man. Yeah, precedent. My I, God. They're the tallest of the bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Basso skills is taller than Weijin? Is that true? No, he's like 5'4". <laughs> <laughs> no way. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh so loudly, uh, Nico. But Oh, I thought, uh, wait, were you were you serious or were you joking? Wait, me? Yeah. Or, or chat? Oh, no, no, uh, Basso. Oh, Basso. No, no, no. He's, he's asking you. No, no, like, you, how, like when you said, wait, you said uh, he was 5'4", were you, were you joking or were you serious? I couldn't tell. Oh, no, no. He's like, I don't know, maybe he's like 5'9 or something. I'm not really sure. Okay, okay. So he split the difference, split the difference. Okay. okay. Yeah. I thought I thought it was me. That's why I laughed. But I was like, oh, wait, is he serious? <laughs> That's right, man. He's about to drive for the uh, the AlphaTauri Formula One team. But anyways, uh, you know, welcome to the show. And it's cool because these review episodes, I think, are really good opportunities to highlight good performances. And I feel like these two mm-hmm. players in particular that really stood out to us, they just so happen to be in the same practice group. Uh, before we actually jump into just talking about the Corrupted Cup, actually, let's let's talk about specifically you two and your dynamic. How often are you guys actually talking to TF, about TFT to each other? And like, what was even the origin story of how you guys even like met online and started practicing uh, and talking about TFT? Oh, uh, like you guys are in the server. So what you see on the server is like everything. Uh, 
we don't really like talk like one on one very much. I would say. Okay. Okay. Uh, so then, talk. Tell me about your first impression of Clear Evasion. When like you, you may have heard of him, but like the first time talking to him, what, what was what was the first thoughts going through your mind? Uh, he seemed very very confident in himself. Uh, <laughs> very confident in his TFT gameplay. Um, but at the same time, I think uh. I'm not sure. I think the first time I really heard a lot about Clear was like during set seven, and I think I remember thinking that he was like, uh, like really good at playing Olaf. <laughs> That's true. He, he Clear, was were good you at good at Olaf? How good were you at Olaf? Um, I mean, like back back when he was good, I I, I was probably best at Olaf. Oh, oh, Pocky Gom's gonna have words, bro. That's oh, right. That That's be, right. I wish we could go back in time and like do a one v one. Oh no, no, I okay. I actually remember it because the first interaction I had with Pocky Gom. Uh, was because like he he took like a break after mid set. He wasn't playing set seven point five much, and then he started asking me about like how I was playing Olaf, and like he was asking me tips. Interesting. So. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, we know you were better at the time when he was asking, but did he wind up better? Is the question. Okay. I actually have a question. What was the higher peak? Set seven clear TFT playing Olaf, or set mm. seven clear TFT playing Varus? Oh, it was, it was probably Varus because like Olaf. Like, by the time the tournaments came around, by the time regionals, I felt like Olaf was, like, completely unplayable. I was like, I could actually play, like, Varus during tournaments. I think you were the, one of the only people who could, though, right? There were not a lot of players that were open to Varus in that tournament, where it was, like, a core part of your strategy, because you were so good at it, you could actually pull it off from a lot of different spots. Oh, I, f I feel like the only thing that made me good at playing Varus was that I could hit double trouble. I mean, like, <laughs> the, the, the biggest thing was, like, everyone thought that Varus was, like, a comp you play like when you're low rolling and then like i'll just play this and i'll get like a top four but i felt like varus was really good when you had a super high roll opener and then from there with your high roll opener you just play varus and then you lock it in because then like you can't lower your shops anymore like every shop is always consistent so once you lock in that super high roll augment you can't lower your shop and then like you just don't get bg'd for the rest of the game Interesting, interesting. I just sound very exactly like Clear Day, just like just very yeah. like systematically try to narrow everything down to almost guarantee it. That does seem to define his playstyle. Okay, last introduction question. It's probably something we should have started off with, which was like, what kind of got you into TFT or competitive TFT in the first place? A lot of people have tried it, they moved on, or some people like compete for like a set. What's kept you coming back? We'll start off with Clear. Um, well, I just started playing TFT because I was playing like League at the time, and, like they launched, and it was like really hyped uh, around the time but i would say like when i actually got good at the game was probably set three i just like lucked into masters even though i was like not that good at the game and then i queued into ine who was like rank one at the time yeah, what a beast and then i que i queued him to i queued into him like three or four games in a row and he was just like completely like styling on me like he was like destroying me and then after i looked up his stream and then like he was doing like so many things at the time like back then we didn't have like matchup trackers or anything so like if you wanted to know like the three people you you could face you would have to like put it all down in like a notepad and like you, you would just like memorize it like mentally and then he would do like portal scouting uh to like narrow it down even further and i was just like portal really scouting yeah he God. was such he was he was such a sweat he was so he effortless about it too it didn't feel like he was sweating when he did it it just felt like his brain was processing so much different shit that he could just like do more with a turn you have to explain what portal scouting is either clear or yeah so so they removed it in set three but like back then um you either had a portal or you didn't and then if you had a portal and someone else had a portal then you couldn't face each other so if you knew the three people you could face and then two of them 
uh, two of them didn't have portals, and then you had a portal, uh, then you can know like you could only face those two people. And sometimes you can narrow it down to like even just one person. So you basically get future sight, like without future sight. But you get future sight for like how long was the portal? Second, like like two seconds tops. Yeah. Right. But uh, he could literally scout it, get the information, and then go back to his board and like reposition it in key ways. Yeah, I think it was like the fi last five seconds. Uh, the portal was it five seconds? Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought it was yeah. shorter than that. Oh, actually, you're right because the portal would come out and then it would be the 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 clock dongs and stuff like that oh interesting okay. yeah i mean it's yeah. still pretty fast he was ina ina is one of the great north american players that never was because he he like quit the game before we had real tournaments but he would have been he's back is he is he back for real though is I he mean, like actually playing the he game was streaming uh, kind of like hardstuck gm or something yeah, yeah i saw him i, I saw him streaming occasionally he's just kind of playing for fun yeah, it's a very yeah, different yeah. thing right like it's like clear said like when, if you have a life then you're probably not an elite tft player for the most part it's not true for everyone but like for the most part it's just too hard man there's just too much going on but yeah he was ine would have been up there we would have, he would have been part of the conversation we, he was yeah. he, been, he was every bit as good as socks was when socks was styling on the server ine was that good he was in many ways kind of like a precedent to someone like dqa and and, and mm -hmm. source and some of these other like really yep. young really cracked players Oh, but oh. enough about the past. That was a really good trip down memory lane. Thank you, Clear. Weijin, your background, origin story for TFT. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm a bit of a TFT Zoomer. I didn't even know who Ine was until like one or two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, like, I uh, when the game launched, I like heard about it because I was like playing League at the time. But I guess I didn't really like actually play until set six. Uh, I mean, I just had like a lot of time because the pandemic kind of got like bored of League or whatever. Oh, wow. So I just like started grinding. And then, I, like, I hit Challenger pretty quickly, like, two or, th or maybe maybe more than, like, 300 games or something. But I don't know. I feel like I hit Challenger, like, pretty effortlessly. And then I didn't really think much of it, but in set seven, I, like, came back, and then I started to, like, grind for real. And, like, I found out about tournaments and stuff, got kind of interested in that. So I started, like, grinding to, like, instead of being, like, a low Challenger player, I wanted to be, like, top of the ladder and, like, one of the best. That's that's actually really fascinating. Uh, Bryce, I'll go first, and you can, you can follow up. Yeah, please up. go. How did you learn TFT so fast? A lot of players want to do that. They're like, oh, I'll try this game. And then they get to the 0.1%, like almost in their first go around. Many people take multiples. I mean, Clear says that he, he, he got to masses and he lucked his way through before he kind of figured it out and got his footing. What, how did you, how'd you get, how'd you learn TFT so quickly? Uh, I think one big thing is like, like I always played like a lot of strategy games growing up, like chess, board games, that kind of thing. So, I mean, there's a lot of elements that you can take from that. Uh, like, another thing is, uh, like, I just watched, like, a lot of streams, and, like, uh, I think I was pretty much just copying, like, what I saw other people doing. Even if I didn't really understand it at the time, I would just, like, just copy it, and then, uh, yeah, copy the comps, copy one-day level, that kind of stuff. Mm, okay. And then from there, you... try to figure out the critical decision-making. Yeah, and then, and then trying to figure out, like, why they're actually doing it to improve upon it. And do you think do you think that that's that transition has officially occurred for you? Like, do you think you like really get the why now and are kind of like applying that to your own games? Yeah, I, I think so. I think like pretty much every decision I'm making, there's at least like some reason behind it, even if it's not always the best reason. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Actually, that what you just said is one thing that like Goobums, for example, thinks is the hallmark of a good player because he's like, there's way too many players you vaude review them and they can't actually defend every decision they made. There's like moment there's just moments where they're just like kind of working off instinct or whatever um 
which is interesting. I, I laugh because I know exactly who he's referring to. Yeah, Whenever yeah. he says they can't justify it. When he says Solus. some players, he means Solus. <laughs> he means Solus. There are other players too, but Solus is like the best player who... who yeah, yeah, that, that can't explain it. Solus, <laughs> Solus explains things by saying, oh, I'm a high roller, that's why I did it. <laughs> because he believes that he'll get bailed out in that situation. <laughs> Sorry, well, you were going to say something about Solus or Kumzumi? I don't know. Oh, Maybe. yeah, I, I was just laughing. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, he's chuckling. Okay, so chat okay, wants so to know what your rank was, by the way, in league. It looks like they're very curious. Wajin, how good were you at league? <laughs> oh, I, I was like, I was like not that good. I think I was like hard stuck flat or something. Oh, oh were you like cracked at the, okay, the strategy okay. games you play, like chess and shit? Were you cracked at those? No, I was, I was like pretty average. Maybe like a little bit above average in chess. So wait, is this the first game where you've been like a elite, elite level player in your life? Yeah, yeah, for sure interesting that's very interesting that that surprised me i would have gone the other way on that one Bryce, Bryce, okay, so, they're also like 21 man so yeah, yeah in their lot, life it's like they've had yeah, but, only a few chances but if we're being honest like a lot of the people <clears throat> who are really great at tft were also cracked at like other strategy games whatever that was oh thank you that. thank you thank you i mean I was uh you're awesome, the exception but... of the rule then <laughs> yeah uh, i definitely noticed that i think i'm the exception i was like yeah like like just like barely above average in like most games i played Interesting, yeah, yeah. Int very interesting okay a quick follow-up question on that when you so you're newer to being like a beast at tft which means that you didn't actually learn necessarily on the conventional wisdom of tft there's like a lot of ingrained habits that we have that go like sets back do you think there's any like do you think that's part of your edge do you like feel like you approach the game differently than kind of the conventional wisdom or is this that not a thing um no i don't really think that's the thing i think um I, I think just by like watching streams a lot you kind of pick up the conventional wisdom and like uh i, I remember like set eight um it was like kind of like early in set eight was like the first time that there was like patches where like rolling like really heavily on three two was correct and it was like completely new to me because i feel like oh. like all of set seven was oh, just like wow. fast eight fast nine meta so yeah, it, was it was just like like, I don't know if in earlier sets, like, rolling on 3-2 a lot was a thing, but that was just, like, completely new to me, and, like, it took a while for me to get used to. Uh, it's the best metas of TFT. When when rolling on 3-2 is actually viable, that's, like, a huge litmus test for when the metas is pretty good, in my oh, opinion. Oh, okay. okay. I, assuming it's not, like, a Jax-Yumi situation. But... You don't want it to be, like, a everyone is all inning on 3-2, that's just an RNG fest, <clears> that's just, like, the same thing as bad as a 4-1 meta, it's just happening earlier. I'm talking about when, like, mm -hmm. certain certain lines certain low roll spots like it's heavily incentivized to roll on three two and others are playing because then it makes the cadence of the lobby feel a lot more balanced most like everyone trying to fast eight to roll for the same fucking units all right clear as we transition to finally talk about what we're here to discuss which is corrupted cup were you good <laughs> at league before you transitioned to tft what was your rank Oh, I, I was also hard stuff flat, and then was <laughs> man, I'm I mean, the best league player on this call. It's lit. Oh man, I mean, yeah, because I, I was plat too when I played league. So we're all just man, you guys plat suck. gamers. <laughs> I mean, I feel like other than TFT, the only game I ever could have been like actually good at was maybe like Yu-Gi-Oh. Hmm. Oh, and were, did you play competitively? Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, I went to like one or two tournaments. The thing about Yu-Gi-Oh was that like you have to actually go the event like you have to actually go to the place yeah. and then like very rarely does it rotate into your area so like and most you'll you'll be able to go like one or two like once every like one or two years unless like you're willing to travel yeah and Interesting. most people don't have the money to do so but i'm glad that we have you in tft and i'm glad that both of you were able to do very well uh at corrupted cup let me actually pull it up here real quick so 
Let's start off with the very beginning of Corrupted Cup. We can't have a discussion about day three without talking about the last place finisher. It is Nick, a.k.a. Nikhil22M, a.k.a. King Cracks, <laughs> who dropped out of the tournament after what happened was he picked the Samira hero augment, but then all 12 Samiras were out of the pool so when he picked up the orb, it converted to four gold. And then he decided to quit the tournament with this message, actually. Let me pull it up. He, he said, literally quote, came into our co-stream, right? Well, this is, a, this is in his chat. So technically, this was oh, okay. what he posted oh, in his right. chat. Oh, that's right. We had it. Okay, right, right. But right, then right, it right. was reposted everywhere. He typed, right, quote, right. I am go out and enjoy the night and watch the NBA All-Star Game in all caps. Which, by the way, the NBA All-Star Game happened on Sunday. He quit on Saturday. Uh, but I think he meant he to, wanted to watch, watch the skills competition. Yeah, he wanted to watch the skills competition. He wanted to see Damian Lillier set, set the, the hoop on fire. He wanted to see Max. He actually, he, he knew it was going to be the first good dunk contest in, in the years, last like yeah. eight years. It's been <laughs> such a long time since the dunk contest was worth watching. Right. He knew. Like Zach Levine and, and Aaron Gordon, right? That was like the last really good one. Yeah. So yeah. either way, really funny storyline. But I mean, they got to punish him, right, Bryce? It feels like you can't just let this guy be like a, okay, we'll see you in set nine or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's tough because on the one hand, this is like an all-time meme. The message, the copy pasta is like so good. The fact that like the thing that caused him to tilt would actually tilt most players. Like I get that. Like that sucks. You take a, you take a Samir hero augment and they're literally out of the pool on four two. It's like, holy fucking shit. Um <laughs> Right, like, and and you don't know because you didn't scout. So you, he actually picks it up and gets the gold for it, which is like really salt in the wound. Okay, so it's funny, but at the same time, this is like not okay at all, and we need to be really serious about that. Like, mm. it's actually terrible for competitive integrity. He harmed this event. It's entirely possible the event runs differently if he just keeps playing and trying at all. Right, and. Like, yeah, they should, if, I, if it were my call, I would strip him of his qualifier points for the set. I would ban him from competing for the rest of the set, and I would ban him from next set. And I'd say, you can come Ooh. back in set 10. Set 10. But, like, this is, a, this is a really big deal, and if you don't punish it accordingly, I think that it's going to happen again. Like, I think there should be some deterrent factor to this, and, like, I don't feel bad about that because it's just, it really harmed the integrity of the event. Before we ask for Clear and Wajin to chime in here, I got clarification from Yenwei saying that he was DQ'd because he FF'd that game specifically. So just, just to add a little bit more context of what happened. but I mean, I mean it's the same thing, right? When you FF thing. a game, you know that you're, you're doing it, it, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think he actually turned off his stream before he got DQ'd. I might be wrong on that, but like I think he was kind of already intending to like not play out the rest of the tournament, even if he yep. did get DQ'd. Did I, I mean, as, as competitors, how did you guys feel about it? Oh, well, I, I was in the game. I was actually, like, I was shocked when I saw that DFF'd. And he oh. was, like, second or third highest HP in the lobby. I mean, that lobby was, like, really absurd. There was two people that hit Samira 2 on their 3-5. And then, like, four people took Daredevil or something. Oh. But I was, like, really, yeah, just really shocked when he FF'd. Because, I, I mean, I thought he could actually still get a decent placement. Like, at least, like, a sixth or something. And, um... Yeah, I mean, I, I knew it wasn't allowed, so I was just like, wow, that's kind of crazy. Hold on. Ripple said he got a free round off him FFing, so he he actually FF'd, like, before the round started. I didn't even realize that he had, the, like, the highest HP or, like, one of the highest HP in the lobby either. That, that yeah, completely yeah, changed he the context. Like, he's, got like, he's got, like, 65 HP when yeah. it happens on 4-2. He's, like, fine. 
I mean, it sucks, but he's and he has. I think he doesn't have a Senna two on his board. Yeah, he has, he has like Senna two or three items or something. Yeah, he's like fine. It's like not. Well, but I mean, the, the thing is, like, he's down like the entire ultimate, not just yeah, the Samira. Because like, uh, if yeah, he had like a Samira one, and he was yep, just like guaranteed hard stack Samira one, it's like sort of playable. Mm -hmm. Like he had Daredevil, and like he can't even get the Daredevil value. But it's but that is on him, right? Because he could it sucks, but he could have easily scouted, recognized that they were all gone, and then just waited to pick it up. And if he waits to pick it up, then he can, you know, hopefully someone he can use his HP lead, someone dies, and then it's Daredevil. You never know what the fuck's gonna happen. Like a bunch of Samiras get back in the pool, all the low HP people kill each other. Like that's a comeback augment. You get insane amounts of HP if you get it online with a really low amount of health, so I don't know. Yeah, the mm -hmm. other thing I want to say is uh, I also picked Daredevil, and uh, I think I picked up my orb like right before him, so I actually got. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. yes. And did you scout? You had no idea they were all gone, right? Oh, I knew like a ton were gone, but I I didn't even consider that like all twelve could be gone. Right, yeah. right. That's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, well, the seven player lobbies also ends up like being a really unhealthy dynamic i think some people listening might be like well what's the big deal like just play seven players out of eight it just changes it completely when people get you know essentially like weaker rounds weaker opponents and also it just really emphasizes who has the better opener and able to really push that lead over some of the, uh, some of the people who are kind of low rolling so it just messes up lobby complexion significantly so not cool nick um you know it's not like I, we don't want you to ever compete in tft again but like you can't do that, man. You can't pull. Like, what? Come on, man. Come on. That being said, uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the other eliminations as well. We saw, like, Soju and Robin. Like, we, you know, Soju getting eliminated, that doesn't necessarily, like, surprise us. It's a really hard field, and also he was, by his own admission, not the most prepared going into it. Robin was kind of a shocker for us. It feels like one of the first events where Robin really didn't uh, pop off, but it, it, it almost felt, like, overdue in a sense. Like, surely, man, this guy can't, like, top eight every tournament he ever plays, right? Yeah, I didn't actually realize it. I, I was, like, busy that week, so I missed the fact that, like, he was coming back from vacation and that he he came back pretty close to the tournament. And if you—this th was a structural changes patch. Like, there's a meaningful amount of shit you need to unlearn and things you need to do to approach this patch differently mm -hmm. in order to be successful in this tournament. It just wasn't enough time for him to get caught up. I, I, look, I'm, I'm really not reading anything into it. I, I think this was just like, he didn't really have incentive to be in peak form. He was clearly not in peak form. I think he'll be fine from mid-set, but I could be wrong. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, clear evasion. Are there any other players that you felt either surprised or any other emotions that like when you see some of these names that got eliminated on day three? Uh, uh, just, just one quick thing on Soju. Like, he got eliminated, but I feel like his elimination was like kind of bullshit because like that that like samir augment thing that everyone knows about where like he had like underground and then brawler yeah. on oh and then it was, right like, and he didn't get offered it yeah and then it was three three four and then he oh. gets sejuani one first one and then after he gets four randoms and then like i'm pretty sure if he gets a samir augment he is guaranteed first like he is actually guaranteed first and then like he gets forced to take a glass like, slingshot and then he's like actually guaranteed eighth which I, I like, I, yeah, I like. Yeah. There's no, there's no player in the world that isn't going to reroll Sejuani, and then after that, you have to just keep rolling. So I feel like, I feel like it wasn't even his fault that like he went eight that game. Yeah, mm. it's a good shout. It's a good shout. I mean, people. That's the thing about us. TFT. Usually, the variance curveball I think is within a margin of error, but like you can actually just get the game can just fuck you sometimes. Like, it's six game sample size is not big enough to control for that. Yep. 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 Agreed. I mean, I mean, the thing is with the Samir augments specifically samira it's actually a lot harder to control their augments 
obvious one, like what Mordaka said, like specifically Samira, uh, you're like a lot more likely to like not hit the augment you want to hit for, for like for for whatever reason. Yeah, we don't understand that reason. Uh, I think he does. He just has not told us yet. Like, it's, it sounds like it's the tailoring is different for, like, certain traits slash units. Like, Ace can show oh, okay, up. It feels okay. like Ace feels like a threat where, like, it, can, it feels like it can always sort of show up. But right. also, the tailoring for her doesn't feel nearly as aggressive as it does for, like, I don't know, Zed or Talia, where it feels like you actually do just get it right. literally out. I read a theory, and feel free to correct me on if I'm wrong, clear equation or even Bryce, um, is that the system checks, like, basically the system, like, rolls for, like, what you could get. And so let's say he has like Brawler and Underground and it just kept rolling Sejuani over and over and over. But because he got offered Sejuani, he can't get it again. And therefore it was random. And that's where you get like Asol and a bunch of like other different stuff like Zach. Um, I'm not sure if that's true. Again, we have, we have, we're, we're just left to basically come up with our own theories at this point because we don't understand hero augments. And I guess we won't because uh, set 8.5 PB is coming out in like a week and a half, you know, just, just letting everybody know it's, it's actually pretty soon. Uh, which is wild to think about. I can't believe this set's almost over. I know. It's crazy. Uh, all right. Yeah. Wait, Weijin, real quick. Any names on day three that stood out to you from, like, elimination or people they thought played well but didn't make it? Uh, I guess the big ones, like, well, you already, you already brought it up, but Robin. Like, I actually thought this guy was, like, allergic to getting day three before. Yeah, he made day four, like, five times in a row or something. So I was pretty shocked to see him get day three. Mm, yeah, that's the yeah, big sure. one. All right, well, let's move on to day number four. Rob is going to come back strong, don't worry. Oh, can we talk about Broccoli really fast? Oh, sure, absolutely. I just think he's interesting because I think uh, you and I were talking about this off show, but I think it's just like interesting to say out loud because I think we don't talk about Broccoli enough uh, as a player. I think he's a really high ceiling player that has kind of flown below the radar for in a competitive TFT, even though he's been around for a little while. I think it's because he kind of ebbs and flows in how much he's thinking about the game. Like there are times when he's actually really good and there's times where he's, like, less plugged in. And if you're not plugged into this game, it's, like, really hard to be that good. Um, so I think his skill ceiling as a player is really high. I think it's about as high as anyone on the server. But he do he's it feels like he can only learn a narrow part of the game. And so, like, this tournament, it felt like he, like, was insane at 80 flex, but pretty weak on some of the other lines. And I think it likely cost him. I haven't watched his games, but I'd be surprised yeah. if that wasn't the basis for why he did not make it to day four. Yeah, yeah. I, I really wanted to watch Broccoli, but... Uh... All of his vods were private, so I couldn't watch his oh, Ah, it's becoming more of a trend these days. Everyone's hiding their vods like sweats, man. Or out of embarrassment, but it's probably out of, out of, out of sweating. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think Broccoli's really good at what he's good at, but I think these tournaments, like Bryce always likes to emphasize, you just you just don't get the amount of volume to be able to get the exposure. I think Broccoli was forced to play like a weird AP line one game, just looked mm -hmm. really lost, so it, it happens. Uh, but... We here to focus on people that did do well. So this is like technically the day four like eliminations, but also the people that advanced the top sixteen. And what a really competitive top sixteen it was. If you actually look, let me see. Let me pull up a little closer about who actually advanced the top sixteen. This, in my opinion, is actually kind of like pretty close to regionals caliber. Sands, you know, like Robin, for example, or or, or Soju, or some of the other players that you might expect to see. It feels like one of the ho most competitive tournaments yet. D does that that feel the same to you, Clear, when you were competing in this environment? Um, uh, I would say like top sixteen didn't felt like like too different from top thirty two. I feel like top thirty two was also like really competitive, uh, like a lot more competitive than like 
uh, other top 32s I've played. Like, I remember, like, Astro Cup top 32. Uh, I feel like, well, it's, like, a little bit Mickey Mouse. But I feel like, like, this one, like, all all 32 players were actually, like, really good at the game. So I, I definitely felt, like, a lot of pressure, even, like, the games before top 16. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. And, and it's actually yeah. very true, too, because you just look at like dish soap and socks and Setsuko, and they're all like top in the points man it's actually kind of cool to see them actually live up to the hype you know it just feels like every time we're like these great ladder players coming into it can they actually kind of put their ladder results now i feel like i'm actually looking directly at their lp correlation it almost feels exactly like that yeah i think that there's two very different stories going on there but i don't think this is at all a fluke i think those two are, are here to stay on top of the tournament success in addition to their ladder success i think dish soap has improved like quite a bit as a player over the course of the last set and i think he's it i don't think he ever really had tournament jitters i think last set was two sets ago he wasn't as good last set i think he was pretty close to this good quite frankly and he had bad tournament variants across the set like i watched a lot of those games and he was and he was already ready to pop off. So this is just normal variants or above for him. Obviously, he's got some high rolls. Like I remember we were watching like an anima game of his where he got giga bailed out, for example. But he's really fucking good. And then Setsuko, I think, actually did have tournament jitters. Like I think that it really like there were a lot of ways in which his play on in tournaments felt like scared to me. I think Setsuko is like one of the most confident players in game in doing what he's doing. And I feel like he wasn't nearly as decisive in tournaments before, but he is now. He is he, now. Both, both the last two tournaments and look the fuck out because he's like one of the highest skill ceiling players on the whole server. He might be the highest skill ceiling player on the server. So if he's playing with confidence and turning, man, I would love to send Setsuko to Worlds. Love. He would, he would be competitive. I would love that as well. Okay, question to the field. So we'll start off with, with Clear and then maybe Weijin. Who do you think had the most underrated performance that landed in the top 16 we're, we're picking top 16 because from top 16 they played one lobby and they cut to top eight so it feels like the achievement in my eyes is landing in the top 16 first um it also gives you more options to pick so clear who do you think had the most under the radar like should have been getting more praise for like for having a great weekend um i mean it's it, it's mostly like based on like my perspective based on like playing with these players and like a lot of these players like i, I just never got into lobbies with so like Phoenix, for example, I don't think I played a single game with them, so like I can't really evaluate them since I haven't seen their mods either. Uh, but uh, Solo Minhi, uh, he was in my lobbies a lot, and I was just like really impressed with like the way he played. Ember one game, he was four loss, and then I was four loss, and then he sold his entire board, and then I also sold my entire board, and then he lost the coin flip, and he got a streak broken, whereas I got to get I got to keep my streak. Uh, but like <laughs> oh, he, wow. like I I feel like. I feel like he wasn't like tilted at all and like he was just able to like bounce back and I think he's still like top three <laughs> that game. So I, I was just like really impressed with like his mental like fortitude. Okay. Wait, I think Minnie's in chat. Minnie, were you tilted after clear full sold along with you and you matched into him and you lost the 50-50 coin flip? Let us know. But in the meantime, while while we're waiting for his response, Weijin, who was the most impressive player from your POV at the top 16? Oh, uh, well, maybe, maybe, uh, I'm not sure about, like, most impressive or anything, but I think, um, I mean, Clear had, like, an insane performance, right? Like, top three. I, I think he played really well. I did watch his games. Uh, and I'm not sure, like, how much credit he's actually getting or going to get for this tournament performance, but I think he deserves a lot of credit. I think he played really well this weekend. We, we invite him to the podcast. <laughs> that is some credit. Oh. 
but I, I'm just worried. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some people might try and write it off, but I think he he, he did deserve a performance. Very, very. Hard. Yeah. I think I think Clear was maybe the fastest player on the patch to adjust, the fastest player on the server to adjust to the patch, the structural changes in the patch. It just felt like you had very clear direction on it very early on. Some of those early watch parties and stuff or like times we were watching games together. You, there were like a, a lot of other people who were playing who had already played a decent amount who didn't know all, like how just how broken one cost reroll was, for example, and like you knew all of the lines. So you're like Basically, if it was my guess is in those lobbies, if it was two one hero augment, your average placement was probably like a two or something, because like you just were way ahead of the curve knowledge wise. I think your instincts were really really good in the swap. Yeah, my... I mean, I mean, oh, go ahead. The the biggest thing about that, like I remember doing the week one watch party, and I was talking about like all these augments, like the Lux carry augment, Rectin carry augment, Reign of Anger, <laughs> and the thing is, I had like five games on the patch, and I never played like any of these any of these augments. But just like looking at the stats, like I, I, it, it was like clear to me that like what the Renekton line should have been, and like it was very clear that you just like reroll for like vertical brawlers, and then you go six brawler, and then like the item itemization was also really clear to me, and then I also have to like uh, give a little bit of credit to like Pokigam. I remember like early in the, early in the patch, I was talking about like some of the support augments, like the Salus support augment, and he was telling me like, like not, he was like like straight up, none of these support augments are, are like even like remotely takeable like like this patch is gonna be like dominated by like the carry augments and i really took that to heart and i like started like analyzing them a lot more hmm. yeah that makes tons of sense i mean pakigam is like one of the one cost masses of north america for sure <laughs> for yeah. better or for worse <laughs> yeah i mean he can do it in, a, in an environment without hero augments right but like mm -hmm. adding hero augments is like a whole another layer for him it's really it's like a I think a lot of people don't express a lot of skill probably around hero augments, if I'm being completely honest. I just don't think it's usually that interesting of a skill-based decision. Um, but I think that Pocky probably finds, like, nuance and probably finds some of his edge there in, like, weird ways. Yeah. I do want to highlight, by the way, as I pulled the scores, Clear actually had the best performance on day four. Setsuko yeah. won off of bonus points. So yeah. just to add, like, if we went... It was a different format. If it was a different set, Clear won the tournament. Um, I mean, but... That's also, of course, uh, easy for us to say, right? Because the, the the different format would have been six games, so maybe it would have changed things. Who who knows? Uh, but I, either... I like bonus points. I'm not sad they're here. I think that that I think if Setsuko had those bonus points, he deserves to win the tournament. But mm -hmm. I think it's a really good point that like Clear had the most points on the final day. That's a big deal. Okay, agreed, agreed, agreed. I mean, I definitely wasn't upset that Setsuko had like the bonus points because like I barely got in, and like I definitely played like way worse on day three. Uh, like I was like the last one in, so I I, I feel like that was definitely fair. Mm -hmm. Like he gets to win. Yep, that makes sense. The average performance. New question to the group. Wait, 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 wait. Can we? I want to shout out one more underrated player before we move on. Oh, to that's right. Time. I didn't ask you, Bryce, who you thought had the most underrated performance. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think I think the two shouts already are really good, to be honest. But um, I just want to make sure we talk about Nico. Like there were a few people who said it early on in chat. That was immediately where my brain went when when you asked the question because. He played so he played zero sure shot games uh, across the twelve. He was playing a whole bunch of shit that everyone on the server told him it was it was garbage, and he made it work. And he did it with style. He went for fucking more three in a final day tournament lobby. Like he he did some really cool shit. He like 
you know, clear griefed him going for fucking Annie Mac clear. Like, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, like, why'd you like, grief? Listen, if you want to grief, if you want to grief like the recon players or whatever, man, you go right ahead. Like, I'm with you. Oh, he but will. You see, he will. You see someone who's going for fucking Annie Mech in tournament, and you don't you're like. All right, well, I kind of want to see this. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I was playing Camille reroll, and then I golden ticket, and then Camille reroll. You play like the Annie too, just as like frontline, anyways. And then I golden ticket, and I was getting Annies, so I was like just holding them. And then, like, Aniko, on, like, Wolves, he starts paying my bench, because I had, like, seven Annies, and then I'm just, like, chill, like, I have golden ticket. And then after in Discord, I was, like, uh, I was just, like, paying, like, 10 gold to give, like, a warm box to my Annie. <laughs> I wish I screenshot if ready for this podcast. I would have added one more asset, but there's, a screen, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, like, four lines of text after that game where Aniko, who normally types in complete sentences, by the way, just types clear, yep. Is the worst TFT <laughs> player ever. You know, it's like he somehow went like full TFT t- accent at that point. You could just tell he was seething with rage. Uh, I love that shout though. Nico, I think, played his heart out. And overall, I'm really, really happy about that topic. And, and look out for him in mid set, by the way. Or top six. Mid set mid-set is moving the patch is going to move the meta a lot more into the ap tree than we've been playing in for a long time i think most players largely abandoned the ap tree so he's got a big edge against the field in terms of reps on what's going to be s tier next patch all right we'll see i'm excited uh i had two questions i want to ask the first one is uh is there anything that you regret about this tournament whether it was like a moment a game something you did with your preparation uh maybe something you ate that morning i don't know like like, like just anything that you feel like you would change differently going this tournament we'll start with you Wajin. uh okay so i actually ended up going like like i was in a really good spot to win the tournament and i ended up going 8-8 in my last two games so i feel like you would actually expect me to have a lot of regrets about that but honestly those games were like very unplayable and uh i mean i think there's definitely some stuff i could have done to like get a bit of a higher placement but I don't have any huge regrets about them. Maybe I wish I didn't like tilt as much. Maybe if I'd been a bit more like level headed, I could have like gone like a sixth or a seventh, maybe gone like a final lobby, but mm. I was never going like top four or even first. Have you reviewed those games with other players? Uh yeah, a little bit. Okay. And they they reached the same conclusion essentially, like this is just a BG. They said yeah, you could probably go like sixth or something, pretty much. But it was like pretty unplayable. Oh, makes sense. That's fair enough. Clear. Okay, uh, before I answer the question, I just want to say, like, with Nico's Mech Annie, I'm pretty <laughs> sure if he hits any three, he's still going seventh, because that <laughs> Reflector Shield Augment is so bad. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing, Clear. Don't you want to know for sure? Like, I wish he hit it, because I'm curious. Like, is this mad scientist? Because that seems bullshit. Let him cook, so, man! I want to know, though. Like, it's, it's out, I agree with Clear. My oh. instinct is with Clear, that he would have gone fucking seventh anyway, but I wish we had found out. It would have been fun. <laughs> Uh, also, his, his any build, I don't think it's very good for like mech. Like, he, had, like, right, he, 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 he had like a warm mobs, and, yeah, then, he, and, then, and then he has to like put the mech spat, yeah. so like he really only has like one item. Warmog's gunplate mech. Okay, that, that does I mean, sound gun pretty bad. Gunblade is the the most important item with that augment. Like, you mm-hmm. need that in order isn't, for the isn't augment to work. Is BT a all. little better just because of the shield? Oh, sorry, the, yeah, the percentage health shield because of how much stats you get. I mean, it's not much of a difference because the biggest problem with that augment is it only does damage while the shield is active. Yeah, you need the shield up. And then you, you have like 60 AP from the mech, and the shield is like, even when you three start, it's like, it's like 600 or something. And then like it'll it'll last it'll proc like two or three times late game, and the shield will just expire, and then you're doing like zero damage. 
Mm, okay, that's fair. That's fair. And you also killed two units to get there. So the theory, the theory is that like it's a it's a war of attrition style, right? With the gun blade, you maybe cast a second time to stay in the shield. Like you, like you'll cast a third time, right? If you get to three star a lot, and so that's just like a meaningful amount of fight up time where you're dealing a bunch of damn like rapid fire damage with your tank. Yeah, I don't know if it works. Or not. If only the second Annie on like like removed the mana lock from Annie, but Riot would never let something like that broken be hitting uh, live i've seen ever, so i've seen oh well, yeah never um, <laughs> I, I, I have uh i have seen uh pitsy streak with it like in a couple of my lobbies actually where he's taken that augment from two one built gunblade for it and like found a lot of tempo in the ap line i don't know about three storing at mech though yeah but i i, I think it might be slightly better than you're giving it credit for clear i i think the biggest thing is just like late game it like Basically does zero damage because yeah. like your shield never lasts. Yeah, you just have to set you you basically use it as tempo. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And like if he can out hard if it gets there. For people who don't know what I was talking about, I was referencing cleansing safeguard, uh Lee Sin, because we have discovered that the Leesons remove the man locks from each other, and that's why they can repeatedly cast so much, and why those two Leeson ones deal infinite damage to the rest of the lobby, uh and, and so on and so forth. And by the way, Clear was the first person to realize that. Uh, yes, as, as far as I know, I think Clear said he saw someone else say that, and then he thought about it, and he, he observed it, and it was true. Um, uh, well, with the cleansing safeguard, I'm pretty sure I invented like the two least sins because I was like, I remember I had a game with like cleansing safeguard all the way back in like January, like late January, and then I was talking like throwing implosion about it. I was like, I'm pretty sure this lockdown was like super broken, and then like you know you just play the two least sins and like the heart back uh, back line, but like back then I just sort of thought like the least sins were shielding each other. And that, like, you could have, like, the other Lee Sin shield, and then your shield that was, like, like expired, and, like, you you could generate mana. And I thought it was just, like, a really good synergy. And then, like, a few days before that, like, uh, a, few, a few days before week one of Corrupt Cup, I think, uh, someone on Discord, like, uh, pinged me, and he was, like, talking about, like, how he's pretty sure, like, like this is the mana bug, and, like, that's why it's broken. So, uh, I, forget, I, forget, I forget the name, but, like, shout out to, shout out to them. Shout out to the random guy that dis that DM clear, uh, and and then he took credit for how he invented it. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, clear inventing the line—that's the harder part. Can we agree? <laughs> that is like, the harder part. Like, yeah. How many people invent lines? Like the one noticing it is impressive. Like that's a good attention detail thing. Like I'm down to invent the line and not uh, notice that it's broken because it's bugged. All right. My final question before we uh, go on to the next segment is. Uh, who was the player that griefed you the hardest this event? Who was like your arch nemesis? Whether intentionally, like clear taking the annies from Iniko, or unintentionally, just because like you just they just kept playing the same lines. Who who's like your arch nemesis from this event? We'll start with you, clear. Oh, uh, maybe Wizarden can go first because I have to go through the lobbies and find someone. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> okay, Wizarden. Uh, I can go first. There's not like really anyone, but if I had to pick someone, it'd be probably Bunny Muffins because uh, in my game six of day four. We both ended up playing the same Anima Squad spread shot line. And like he was just like uh, and he hit really like hard. The exact same exact same board as me. Yeah. Got and it. he got like this item, so I like like I couldn't find Shojin for like three stages or something. Man, it feels bad. Bunny yeah. Muffin, shout out to him. He's mainly known as like, you know, like a like a noob content mm -hmm. creator, like helping beginner intermediate players to like level up their game. 
really put on a show. He did hit really hard though. Like like Weijin said, he was contested. Bane was hitting it, kind of like what Setsuko did in that final lobby. And then also like he was like one of the few people got three stars legendaries all weekend. Like that doesn't happen by accident. Uh, you know, he's definitely a player that knows what he's doing, but also some pretty big high roll. So shout out to him. I think For he had sure. a horrible weekend. But hasn't I feel like he's been good across both tournaments this set, right? Hasn't he been? Yeah, he had pretty solid performance. I mean, this weekend was better than the last one, I believe. But he's just—he's. I think it's like people really sleep on some of these other like educational streamers um, or content creators in general. So I just want to give a little nod. Yeah, I right. completely agree. Clear. We gave you enough time. Did you find somebody? Okay, I'm pretty sure the player that grieved me the most is D Graph. Like this guy, mm -hmm. he just has like the most egregious stage two boards, and then like <laughs> er, like on two three, he just levels to five, even though he has like the most egregious like full two-star board like he's guaranteed to win on level four and he just goes level five and just does an extra two damage for me for fun that 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 makes the list for clear by the way if you just deal extra two damage at all on stage two for no reason clear will remember it for sure oh and then and then i had like a really good renekton reroll game and then like i thought i was chilling and then like i look at his board and he just has like a leona three yes okay. yes uh shout out to lemon kiwi by the way she hosted the event great job jen she, she was saying that it was the three-star leona from buddy muffins that uh that was the highlight of that game really really cool stuff that was corrupted cup top eight i'm glad we did a reflection i want to take an op opportunity to reflect by the way on our power rankings this is something that we want to do with our review shows which is how right were we right like we we, we flaunt ourselves as well, we tie ourselves as being like TFT experts, Bryce, about like who are the power rank players. And when we look at the top 15, my criteria was how many of this top 15 made the top 16? And the answer was seven. Uh, we had Dish Soap, Setsuko, Clear, DQA, Kuramex, Iniko, and Wage Iverson in school. We had two of the players in ranked top 15 actually make it. And that means eight players did not. Do you think that's a good hit rate, Bryce? Or do you feel like that's um, we could do better on that? I think it's fine, and I think it looks fine if you go across the thing. Like, I think it's it's bad when it's, like, really inaccurate. Like, you have a bunch of people that are getting day one or something that are in the top 15. That shouldn't be happening, but TFT's, there's a lot of variants going on here. It's not that many games, so I, I don't think it was, like, off at all. Some of these names are, like, kind of set and forget names where it's, like, you're kind of trolling if you don't put Soju on your top 15. You never know what form he's going to be in, quite frankly. Like, the number of times I've ranked this man like on a monday like 12th, <laughs> like 12th or something and then yeah. five days later for the term he's a fucking animal and it's like god i would actually put him like fifth on my current list mm -hmm. happens all the time but he, it also happens this way all the time where he like you know either he low rolled right there was that one game where it sounds like he got giga griefed maybe he wasn't informed i don't know i didn't watch the games but like you have to put him on the top 15 i think the fact that clear and Wajin are both ranked actually says a decent bit about the panel i think it means that at least some of the panel was paying attention to that i'm actually curious who ranked them um well but well, i do have the best ballots but before i reveal that i want to ask clear Wajin, what do you guys think about these top 15 i know that now that you're a part of the cool kids right you're like making the top 15 and now you're actually using that and and being able to qualify for top 16 do you feel like these power rankings are accurately reflected, or do you feel like there's like there's accusations that there's like just a little bit too much like nepotism, or like old boys clubs, because people are like ranking their friends all the time? What do you, what do you think, Weijin? Uh, I mean, it's it's definitely a little bit of a popularity contest, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's really hard to rank some of these players, like like myself included, I think, because like 
like if you haven't watched them or they don't stream, um, like you can't really tell how good they are, like just based off like maybe like their LP or their little chest or something. Like you, you actually have to watch someone to know how good they are, or or talk to them or something. So, I mean, I think it's pretty fair. I think the people are just ranking the people that they're most familiar with and comfortable with ranking. So, okay. uh, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but they're probably it's probably not completely accurate. I mean, at that's probably their power rankings, not official rankings. Uh, but I mean, yeah. I, I do, I do appreciate that. Thank you, thank you for defending us there. Clear. What do you think, man? Uh, I mean, I think it's like really hard for people to like, like accurately power rank people because there's like 64 players, and then like you're ranking like 15 of them, and then like a lot of these players like you've literally never heard of. Maybe like you play in like different hours of the day, and like you've never even queued into them once. So like it's it, it's definitely hard to like have a good read on some of the other players. And then I think, um, you know, there's, like, some, like, nepotism or, like, just, like, picking your friends. But it's also, like, a lot of these players are, like, who are sort of, like, shoe-ins. Uh, even if they're, like, not super good on the patch, they have, like, a lot of tournament experience, which I think, like, you definitely have to value, like, really highly. Like, having good mental in tournament is, like, can matter, like, actually, like, a lot more than just, like, being good on that specific patch. And then there's, like like, some other factors that, like, I feel like some people, like, maybe not... Like, don't take into account, like, yeah. for example, Broccoli, he was ranked really high, but I feel like maybe if other people, like, knew, like, he didn't have that much time to play, that much time to prep, like, maybe they, like, they rank him lower, like, even though he's, like, a really good player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like rank people like Broccoli was, like, they just look at the LP and, like, oh, he has to know the patch really well. He's he's rank one. Like, surely uh, he has a really good beat this uh, this th th for this tournament specifically, but I think you bring up really good points. Also, uh re replays in chat i feel like he's one player we didn't mention a great top four it just feels like we should acknowledge people who were able to make those deep mm -hmm. runs and were in contention it's a it's a great run and i hope that we get to learn more about you because i feel like i don't know anything really about re replay yeah. i see you in ladder and lobbies i see you in ladder and now i see you competing so keep it up man we'll hopefully mm -hmm. see you pop off again at midset and, and beyond yeah I, I mean i look for i hope i get a chance to watch <laughs> him play um Right, like right. I love like up and coming players. Like some of the most fun, some of the most fun TFT you get to watch is the people who no one are watching. Like actually, both of you guys, you're both on that yes, list. Yes, exactly. Like I not I not watched either of you play a game of TFT until like clear. I don't remember, you know, a little bit before for sure. Like I definitely watched you play Varus. I watched you some last set. Wage and I watched you for the first time, like a tournament ago. Right, like I feel like I feel like I just got exposed to your play. You're both really good. You're both really, really good. I mean, you're, the data backs you both being really good up. By the way, I don't know if you, I don't know if you pay attention to like the macro stuff, but clear your AVP across twenty five games this twenty five tournament games is set is three point six. You have a sixty oh, percent wow. top four average, and you've won twenty eight percent of your games. That's really good. You go eighth a lot, but like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like we all know that. That's fine. It's part of the trade off. And then Weijin, you're slightly worse AVP at 3.72, but you're more consistent. You have 64% top four and 36% win. And you actually you, you actually are more extreme. You have you have an even higher... First or eighth uh, percentage? Well, actually, no. You, you guys both go eighth. It looks like basically roughly the same amount, actually, now that I look at it. But like, which is a lot, but you also win a lot of games. So I don't know. I mean, I think... And I think you're both... You passed the eye test, too. I think you're both really good. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I've been going around saying I'm the uh, second best player in North America. Because <laughs> I, I, I got second in the Encrypted Cup, and then I'm also second in Qualifier points. I see. Who's the first? Who's the first? Who are you behind? Oh, it's it's definitely Setsuko. Like I, I I've always like really respected Setsuko, 
Uh, I mean, I don't want to go like on a tangent, but I feel like Setsuko is one of the players like, like I can see him like playing any line or doing like anything. Uh, whereas like other players, maybe like Robin, I feel like there's like certain things in the game he's just not going to do. That makes him like a little more a little more predictable. But like Setsuko, like I'm definitely like really scared of him because like they're like they're he's capable of anything for sure. Interesting, interesting. Well, just as a sneak peek, later this episode we did ask Clear and Wage to submit their top fifteen. We'll reveal that. That's a segment I believe right after this. But I wanted to very quickly give a shout out to who had the best ballots because most people got six to seven names correct, but there were two people who got eight names correct on their 15. And it's the, player, it's, the, it's, it's the panels that I think that people don't really recognize that often. So shout out to Gangly, nice. Nick Pasquale, who had eight people correct, thanks to not picking Ripple Overdrive, Wajin, and Clear. Usually people had two out of that three. And that's Admirable, who's also a caster and... Uh, our editor for this podcast, uh, he got Malala in on his top 15. Nice. And Malala had a great run. You're talking about underrated runs. My pick would have yeah. been Malala. I mean, yeah. I, our previous episode of the podcast, we were saying which version of Malala can show up. Is it the one that we saw potential like a set, two sets ago? Or is it the one that, you know, can get lost in patches and not really put things together in time for the tournament? Malala really showed up this past weekend. So uh, congrats yeah. to Admirable. He was the one who recognized it. I'm not taking credit for that. Uh, really, really no, good I, stuff. I love it. That's awesome. And Malala is a was. We talk a lot about the up and coming players, and some of them like really pan out, and some of them struggle and eventually get there. Right, Asa had like a pretty strong rise, but he struggled a little bit this set. Rain mm -hmm. is struggling a lot this set. Like Goobums was a was a monster a couple sets ago. It's not that he's been bad the last couple sets, but he's not anywhere near the scary form he was when he was at Worlds, and hasn't been for some t for some time. If we're being honest, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, Malala is one of those names as well. He was, like, starting to really rise, and he's, I, we haven't talked about him as much lately, but he can be a beast when it's clicking. Yep. I hope that's Oh, I just remember with Malala, uh, set seven regionals. I remember uh, when everyone was playing Inosis, I just remember this guy playing ARAMs every day. And then we go into <laughs> regionals. We, okay, we go into regionals, and then my read was that Seraphine was super bad, but then, like, I, was, I just kept playing Seraphine every game even though I knew it was super bad. And then Malala kept being in my lobbies, and he was just contesting Seraphine. And I was like, this line is not good. And like, if you didn't play so many ARAMs, you would know this line was not good, and then you would not have contest contested me. I see this not go <laughs> well it. for either of you. Clear, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even ask him who greets his, his set seven tournaments, and Clear's out here talking about who greets his set seven tournaments. <laughs> I love it. Uh... All right, well, on that note, let's bring up the lists, shall we? So, Lots. you know, we usually have people who come on the preview episodes to show whether or not, or to show their top 15 and whether or not they're correct about it. Now we're going to have Clear go first here and reveal his top 15. And so let's pull it up here. So he goes Setsuko at one, Dishup at two, Clear at three. A little nice. inconsistent with what he actually just told us. He told us he was second best on the <laughs> server. Then Kurum, Weijin at 5, Robin, Sox, Iniko, Broccoli, DQA, Soju, Ripple at 12, Kyvix, Minhee, and Prestavent. So I want to first get reactions from everybody else here. So let's, go, let's start with Weijin. When you look at this list, is Clear, third, like, clear at 3rd? What, what, does, that, does, does that look right to you, man? Uh, I, I don't think it looks like too wrong to me. Uh. 
I mean, he knows himself better than anyone else, and I mean, at this tournament, you could for sure make an argument that he was like one of the top three players. I mean, he did finish second. Oh. Um, so, I mean, I guess it kind of depends on how what you're ranking him off of. Like, is it how good he was this tournament? How good he's going to be going into mid set? That kind of thing. That's a good question, actually. So, clear. What is his top fifteen? Is it the current form? Is it their performance thus far? Um, I mean, I, I do power rankings for like for fun, going into like each tournament, uh, just to, like sort of like scout like the like the, like the competition, and just like get a good read myself. And then the the way I usually score is just like how scared I am of like these people being in my lobbies. Like like Setsuko is like the one is like the the person I want to avoid most in my lobbies. And then after that is Dish Soap, and then after that would be Kurum. So like I, I'm just sort of like thinking about like what players. I really want to avoid uh, being being in my lobbies. Okay, okay, that makes sense to me. Sorry about the typo on Kaivix's name. Uh, <clears throat> I think what's really particular, what's really interesting. Well, one, the fact that you and Weijin are both top five here, but it still ultimately looks kind of similar to the way we would rank it, Bryce. Anyways, so it just feels like clears like, hey, you're just forgetting about how big my ceiling or how tall my ceiling is, and how I think There's I can keep up with the best. Yeah, there's a couple of things that really jump out to me on this list. One of those is Clear and Weijin being in, like, the, like, A or S tier, right? Like, a lot of people, you're on lists, but you're, like, more in the 10 to 15 range, depending on how they evaluate you. And there's some exceptions to that. Like, Setsuko is rated Weijin really, really highly, for example, and has for a while, right? He put you, he was, like, the first person to put you on his list, but he put you, like, really high on his list when he did it. It was, like, you immediately cracked the top 10, which, like, never happens, by the way. And then clear, same thing with you. You've got, like, a few people. Like, Dan is one of them for sure. I think he's, like, big into re recognizing. Admirable is another one. I think he really values the way you think about the game. Um, you know what's interesting, clear, is actually Gangly and Appies are the other two people who rage really highly coming in this event. You kind of have some of the, like, like independent thinkers. Like, that's four different people who are all thinking about the game very differently and who all really value what you're bringing to the table, which is impressive. So... I, there's very much a chance that the bias we were talking about earlier is why you guys are kept out of the like upper echelons. Like uh, time will tell. I want to watch now. more. You guys, I guess yeah. play for now. For now, right? And then the other outlier is the end of your list. You have Ripple, Kyvix, and Stellar. All three of those players do not make most people's top fifteen. Some people have them, like one of them, but very few people have. I don't think anyone else has two. No one has three. And in order to drop who you dropped from like the consensus ballots for those three spots are Asa, Goobums, and Solus. So I think it's notable that you think Ripple, Kyvix, and Stellar are all better than Asa, Goobums, and Solus. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, well, well. First, I want to touch on Kyvix. I feel like Kyvix, like watching him, is actually like uh, taught me a lot about how like to approach tournaments. Um, like like for the longest time, I've like you know I always talk about how like certain lines are like unplayable and like you, you should like never be playing these lines but then like kyvix is sort of a player who's like willing to sort of explore these lines and then i, I sort of like start thinking and like i sort of wanted to like play a little more like kyvix uh, i remember in corrupted cup i had like a six defender uh mech set game with like bellbeth carry and like that that that, that that's sort of like that that style i sort of like borrowed from kyvix because <laughs> i feel like tournaments is sort of like a different meta and that like like the like certain things like actually can work in tournament even though like you look at the stats and like they're quite bad and then the other thing is just based on my experience with like mid set 
Uh, it's it's one of the it's the second biggest like tourney in the set, but I feel like just based on my experience, there's actually like very little pressure to like do well in mid set because like with the other tournaments, if you bomb out corrupted cups, that like really hurts your placements for regionals. But, like with mid set, like if you don't do well, like it doesn't affect like 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 sure top four gets you into regionals, but like if you go like dead last, it doesn't like affect uh you know your ability to go into like regionals, like your ability to play in like other tournaments. So I feel like there, there's like a lot less stress and like. Uh, a lot of these like newer players, a lot of these newer players who are like not super used to tournaments, who might have like uh, tournament nerves or like anxiety, uh, it's it's like an opportunity for them to be able to like showcase their skills without like too much pressure about having to worry about the future. That's so interesting because that's like the opposite of what's yeah, supposed that's, to be like. the opposite it's of what people, other people have told me as well. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I think the tournament is supposed to feel like the second highest stakes tournament of yeah, the set. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like you can't, you can't match regionals because you can only have one worlds, and so like you can't, you can't compete with that. But like mid set is supposed to be the next rung down. So it's interesting that you think players feel a lot less pressure for it. Yeah, Kurum last night was talking about how like mid-set means everything to him right now because it's mm -hmm. a spot of world on the line. He's like, that's the juice. I don't care about like, like yes, Defender Cup's important to do well. Corrupted Cup's important to do well. But like, <laughs> I care about mid-set. And he's like, I want the patch to come out so I can start grinding infinite on it. And out here, Clear's telling us the op opposite. He's like, he feels like yeah. he's kind of, you know, relaxing a little bit compared to the other cups. So I think that's really interesting. I, I, it's worth noting, by the way, that like our preview show for Midset, we had a little bit of trouble figuring out our guests, which never happens to us. But there were multiple people who were like, I kind of want to be locked into Midset prep. I don't want to do a podcast on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they um, want to be which, prepping. Yeah, which never happens to us. So there's at least some percentage of the field that is taking this tournament very seriously, for sure. I mean, I mean, you definitely have to take the tournament super seriously. It's like a super important tournament. But I just think that like, the biggest thing is like the biggest prize is just going first and i actually think that like relieves like a lot of pressure if you go like dead last or like if you go like 10th there's like there's actually like no diff yeah no diff. Yeah. like that 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 i feel like that takes out like a lot of pressure you can just play the game without having to like sweat your placements you don't have to worry about like oh you know i don't want to go dead last i want to go like maybe like 20th for like qualifier points or something but like you can just like have no pressure like play first or eighth if you have to and then like just just look at that that first place only and then like you don't have to worry about the rest i just want to say one little anecdote before we get to Weijin's list which is uh i messaged clear like i invite him to the podcast and we talk about like get your cams this is what we're gonna be doing three hours later i i wrote have your top 15 na list ready to go for tomorrow and within 15 seconds clear immediately pasted his top 15 and I was like, what? You just have this already, like, on deck? And he's like, yeah, I just make these, like, for fun before every tournament. So he just had it on cue ready to go, like, as if he was expecting me to message them. That's that's how much thought he's putting into this. Honestly, Clear, you should be on the panel, man. That's, like, a, it's actually a lot more work than it looks like. If you want to vote in the future, like, you're, I'm down. Dan, you want to say Adam? Like, this is, a good, this is a good, thoughtful ballot. Like, that should always be in the mix. Let's bring up Wajin's ballot. I, I'm, I'm more than down to talk about it afterwards. I, I think I think we can definitely make space for clear. And plus, you'll probably submit on time, which is the number one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the number one requirement. <laughs> the last thing, uh, last thing I have to do every Monday morning is go on Soju's stream and be like, uh, hey, Soju, <laughs> I need, like, at Soju, I need the power rankings to submit for graphics. And he's like, oh, oh okay, I got yeah, you. Yeah, he does it, like, on stream. Like, live on stream after the game. <laughs> like, does it during which stage one. Great publicity. Yeah. All right. So Weijin, let's walk it down. So you have Setsuko and Disho flipped uh, one, two there. Mm -hmm. Robin a three, Kurum Inigo, then yourself and Clear. So it seems like this first column is almost exactly the same. You guys almost agree exactly on the same 
for seven players. You have Malala at nine and Little Top at 13 and then Basso Skills at 15. So talk about these three players in particular, Malala, Little Top, and Basso Skills. Oh, yeah. Uh, just before I do that, like, um, I should probably say, like, I was only ranking... Or I saw Clear's list first, right? I know it's the only ranked players at mid-set, so I just only wanted to rank players at mid-set. Mm -hmm. I guess the way you could think about it is, like, if I had to guess what my ballot would be going into mid-set, this is the ballot I would put out. Ah, okay. Um, so, yeah, uh, to talk about a little bit of, the, of these players, uh, I mean, first of all, Malala had, like, an insane performance, right? Uh, like, yeah, he played through day one, and he came top five. And, I mean, like, he played well, like, every single day. I think he had a really good meta read. I think he was ready to play, like, some pretty degen comps like Yumi, but only, like, when given the spot for it. Mm -hmm. And I think he's pretty really good on, like, this, like, sure shot, like, AD flex line. Uh, and I think that's probably, like, the number one line going into the tournament. Okay. Uh, Lil Top was a player who I didn't really think I was going to put on here, but uh, I watched, like, a couple games from pretty much every player that's going to mid-set that I was, like, curious about or not sure where to rank, and I thought Lil Top played really well this tournament. There was, uh, okay, the funny thing is, like, the games I watched, he went bot four, but I was actually, like, very impressed. Like, there was one game, like, his spot was, like, super eighth. He was, like, high in shopping, like, 20 HP on 4-1. Uh, and, like, so he had to, like, send it on 7 with high shopping, which, like, of course you don't want to do. And, like, he was, like, the only player in the entire tournament that actually was, like, holding, like, this, like, set, like, mech out in his rolldown. And, like, he ended up finding set 2, and, like, by playing the set 2 frontline, he was able to go, like, 4th or 5th, when, like, otherwise he would have been guaranteed 8th. I'm pretty sure most people would have just only held, like, Echo and Sedge and stuff, and they would have just gone 8th. Interesting. Uh, so interesting. I was, like, pretty impressed by his play. And boss skills, like, like, I'll be honest, like, like, Bossa Skills, Minhi, Malala, like, those guys are my friends. So, like, I've watched them play a lot more. I talk to them about TFT, like, pretty much every day. So, I mean, I just know what they're capable of, and I know that they're really good players, whereas a lot of these other players, I don't really know what they're capable of. So it's just a lot easier for me to yep. rank these types of players. Totally fair. I'll go next here. I think Lil Top has a really big case for being one of the most improved players of the set. Um, he, you, The first thing is when this guy wants to climb, he's climbing, and that's a really strong sign or rather really big leading indicator of a strong player both snapshots where he just needed to climb he he, he was like in top 10 if he didn't send it down and it was also on vacations so he had to play on mobile he would have been top 32 for both of the snapshots but I, I think that's a really good sign to show really strong improvement uh and then exactly what you said Weijin, which is i'm more impressed by some of the the, the spots where he wasn't high rolling because Whenever I queue in the little top, it always feels like he's high rolling, but that also means that he probably is a good player if he's always high rolling. In my view, it just means that he might be better. So that's my anecdote. And then Basso skills, I was really impressed with just listening to his thoughts when he joined the co-stream over the weekend. He just had really good ideas. When he contributed, he contributed really provocative thoughts that maybe even stopped talking, which is really hard because I love talking a lot, especially if I'm co-streaming. So I want to give two shout-outs to those two players as well. Yeah, I think Bosso's... I haven't gotten to watch Little Top, so I don't have an opinion there. I think Bosso skills is really good. My last two fantasy drafts, I think I grabbed Bosso skills as my last pick, the last one, and I grabbed Wajin this time. And it was, like, really clear to me... Like, actually, to be honest... I there were some of entire, your best picks! <laughs> I built my entire draft strategy around the fact that I felt like you guys were undervalued. Just to, like... I'll just say it out loud. Like, people can steal my tech. I don't care. I'll, like, find another edge. But, like, uh -huh. <laughs> you guys... Basically, my argument was... <clears throat> You guys I can get for, like, a dollar, five dollars. Like, you guys are way too good relative to your value. So if I can get that value at the end, why would I ever spend $15 for a player? I'm just going to, like, like last draft, I spent, like, 
like 33 on three different guys basically and then i was like i'm just gonna grab them at the end because it's way you guys are way too good of value you're, you're you're like every bit as likely to make the top 16 as some of the people that are going for a lot more money um so yeah i don't know i think you guys are i think it's really good it's hard for me to get a perception to be honest on your relative strengths and weaknesses do you have any strong opinions there like within your guys group of players do you feel like there's like a tier list emerging of like who you consider the S tier? Do you feel like it varies a lot by the patch? Like, what's the what's the vibe like in terms of how you all think about each other's play? Uh, I think it varies based on patch. I think some of us actually play, like, very differently. I think I play pretty similarly to Malala, but I think Boston Skills plays, like, extremely different from us. Like, uh, I guess a good example is, like, like, Malala and I are, like, like we're very greedy for, like, best-in-slot items, and we'll always try and, like, go fast aid and that kind of stuff, and... Meanwhile, boss of skills like tends to like slam items pretty liberally, roll pretty aggressively. Uh, so it's like like different playstyle, and uh, I mean, different playstyles can work better on different patches. So I'd say it's very dependent on the patch. Interesting, interesting. I, I noticed... if you had to pick, wait, really fast, one quick question, Dan. If you had to pick one of you to go to Worlds this set, like you're like gives the highest chance of winning Worlds. Who do you think it is? You can include yourself in that. Oh, for me. Oh, well, of course I'm going to go with myself. Okay. Are you, are, you the, are you the same answer? Yeah, I'd, I'd go with myself. I feel like I feel like my, I feel like with check like with checkmate format, I feel like I definitely have like an edge where I'm able to like play the lines I like went out in like top 2 or top 1. Ooh, that's a good segue. That's a good Makes segue cuz we're about to go into agree which is we just throw you know a, a take in TFT and ask the panel if they agree. And I'm going to go with this one first, which is the new penultimate lobby into final lobby system should be the primary format for TFT tournaments instead of formats like Checkmate. Because I feel like people have been very warmly receiving the new format because of how close some of the last lobbies have been and it feels like it is competitive and it's not Checkmate. So... I wanted to ask people if they agree. Let's start with Weijin. Oh, uh, I mean, I agree for sure. Uh, I really disliked the old format. That was like, like in uh, Dragon Cup, that was like the main, my main takeaway from day four. Because it's like, you have only five games to get into the top 25%. It feels like very, very luck-based. Whereas like, this is like, like just trying to get into the top 50% feels a lot more achievable. Um, so I feel like this kind of lowers the variance. It's like more skillful, and uh, I, I like it more. Interesting. Okay. Clear. Uh, I, I think like checkmate and like this like top sixteen into top eight. They're like very different formats. Like checkmate is like almost exclusively used for like final lobbies and like determining a winner of a specific tournament. Um, but I definitely think this format is like a really big improvement over the old format, where you just go from like thirty-two to eight players in like five games. Like, I remember, like, one of the biggest gripes I had with, like, the old format was, like, in Dragon Cup. Um, I had, like, a really good day day, uh, day three. And then going into day four, I ended up 13th. And then it's, like, you, you go 13th, which is, like, like a pretty, like, relatively, like, a pretty good, uh, like, a pretty good showing. But then, like, you don't make the top eight. And, like, that just makes you feel like, like, it, like the tournament wasn't a success. Or, like, it, you sort of, like, failed that tournament, even though, like, even though, like, 13th, like, really should, like, like it should be something you're able to like be proud of, and I think like showcasing the top sixteen more, uh, just gives like people a chance to like be like more proud of like like the tournament showing or like the tournament success. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I, I I actually I'll follow up and just agree with that as well because 
I think it also makes more sense of the core of what TFT is, which is a lot of times you're just trying to beat out half the field. And then if you beat out half the field, like you're going from top, you know, you go to top four, you try to cut that in half again. Like, can I make top two from there? And if you couldn't go for the 1v1, you go for that first place. I feel like that's how most good players are approaching like most of their games. And that feels like that's replicating the tournament experience with this system. So I like it a lot. I, I like it way more than I thought I would. So I tip my cap to nature's. I feel like, we, we complain so much about how bad formats are in TFT for years. It's, it's time that we recognize when a good one's in front of us. I really like what we got. Not to say it's perfect. I'm sure we can find other ways to tweak it. But so far, it's, it's, it's a thumbs up for me. Uh, yeah, and then, Sorry, go yeah, for and, and then just uh, one more thing. I think uh, I think the, the way it cuts, and you only go to top eight in the last game, I think it makes it way more hype because the scores mm -hmm. are like way closer together. With the old format, you would cut to top eight after five games, and then like the first place player... Maybe they go first, and then by, like, by then, they have like a five or six point lead, and like they're basically guaranteed in. Like You watch the final game, they go six, and they're like, oh, he won six, he's already guaranteed to win. And then, you're, and then like you have to watch the rest of the game, but like it's like, like there's no hype anymore. Yep. Agreed. Bryce? Yeah. I mean, this is an easy agree for me. I think Nature's deserves a lot of credit. I can echo everything Dan said. I think that they've done a good job of taking feedback over the course of multiple sets of tournaments and like it feels like they're slowly but surely like i love the bonus points too i think that's like a really huge part of what makes the days going on feel feel better um so that you can't just like have a high roll single day like if you have if you had a really good previous day that helps a little bit i like that a lot i think so i think he's optimizes i'm curious if we have like more serious innovation to do with tft competitive formats like i don't know what the form how we're going to push the bounds there but i do feel like there's probably some other systems that we just haven't even tried that are way different but within this kind of scheme i think this really works and like yeah the final lobby was so fucking hype it was way more hype than a checkmate lobby by the way like having like a group of players all who like really earned it and are all there because they like basically perform within a few points of each other over the course of all of those games creates a way more hype finish than like just who happens to be the person that wins this game that feels so bad man like we haven't even okay. got we've even had like the egregious results yet where it's like someone someone wins off of checkmate like wins worlds off of checkmate in a way that feels really bad like we've actually right. been lucky like 10 points behind or something like that yeah for reason. That, that honestly <laughs> by stats probably should have happened by now yeah, but like yeah, we've been yeah. lucky that it didn't so thank god right yeah. um yeah and deserving I mean, players I, too yeah. i mean i remember i think one of like the japan qualifiers someone went like one one two two and then someone else had like average performances and then they just won the fourth game and then like he and then the person who went like one one two two had like 10 points above the other guy, but like he just doesn't get to one. God. Oh, God. All right. Well, it looks like we all agree. Chad agrees 95% in agreement. So, not a very controversial one. How about this one for a controversial? <clears throat> Despite a few problems, tournament patches have been quite good so far in set eight in North America because we can't really speak to the patch status of other regions. Bryce, let's start with you. I agree. Uh, like, I know that we constantly focus on the negative in the community as it relates to balance. So, like, I am not saying there weren't issues. There were definitely issues here, right? There were big issues with with some of the aspects of the tournament meta. I have seen worse. I've seen a lot worse of tournament metas. There was real opportunity for skill expression within this patch. I think the fact that, like, someone like Nico succeeded at the level that he did shows that, like, just in a vacuum. It's like... You can't say it's just a Samir lottery if, like, this guy can just go in and just not play this. Like, I promise there were spots where he should have played Samir, guys. <laughs> Probably, was, yeah. I promise there were, and he didn't, and that yeah. reduces his average placement in that game, but he just did it to prove a point. So 
I do think there was real skill to be expressed this patch. I think uh, a lot of the players who had a better beat on the meta and who adjusted more to the structural changes in the game performed better. Maybe that's not the kind of skill you want to test for, but at least it's something. I've seen some pretty RNG patches. Yeah. Set seven, you guys. I, I think I hated every tournament. The I think every, soy every oh, set God. seven tournament meta, I think, was worse than every set eight tournament meta. I cannot think of a single set seven tournament meta. Regionals was the best, and I, I, I really still did not enjoy that patch at all. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel like I, it's definitely better. I don't know what we're comparing it to if we're gonna if we're going to, like, shit on the metas of set eight tournaments. All right. Clear? Um, wait, let me reread the question again. Yeah, I, I mean, I think for Corrupted Cup, uh, I was, like, bashing the, the patch a lot, but actually, like, after playing Corrupted Cup and actually thinking about it some more, I feel like Samira was, like, not nearly as big of, like, an issue mm -hmm. as I thought it was, because I feel like Samira, like, everyone, everyone talks about Samira, but I feel like if you wanted to have success in the tournament, like, the moment you have an out that, like, you can play something other than Samira, you're supposed to take it, and like if if you're like intentionally angling Samira, a lot of the time, like you just were putting yourself in like really bad spots. So I so like going into the tournament, I thought Samira would be like a really big problem, and it wasn't. But I think the biggest problem was cleansing safeguard. Like I'm pretty sure if you check the stats over the tournament, it averages like yeah probably like a three or like a three point one, and like I mean like like we'll never know because like like so many other things would change. But I feel like if I never like made the guide or like released attack. I feel like I might have won Corrupted Cup. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was really good tech. You leaked immediately. Okay. For you fun. leaked it like the day before day one of the tournament yeah. where Bryce and I are competing. Yeah. We're like, man, come on, dude. Yeah, okay. Dan and I Dan and I knew the fucking tech clear. Like we act you know how much edge you threw for us <laughs> by leaking that? Like the day you wrote the like, oh, here's the dummy version. Like, oh, everyone's like, oh shit, okay, I could do that. And they did <clears> in the tournament. Okay, like I, I released it because I was like, I was so sure if I did it. Mordog would have to be patch it, and then like I, I wouldn't have to play it. I guess it's in Crafted Cup, and then he, and then he just never touches it, and then like he, he never gives me a cleansing safeguard game in Crafted Cup. Yeah, you you oh. under you overestimated <laughs> the North American tournament field, my friend, because yeah. <laughs> you should know better. The TFT players can't read, so like yeah, it did hurt that you leaked the tech. There were a bunch of people who did know, and it was way harder <laughs> to find. But a lot of what it was, it was that it was more contested. You had people out there who had no freaking clue. Precedent like played played it on the first weekend he had no idea on day two that you played multiple lease sends he kind of figured it out as he went because he was like oh i think maybe this is important and then immediately afterwards he just starts winning every yeah, fight yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. yeah that is important we agree. <laughs> <laughs> all right wajin um i guess i'm more on the side of agree than disagree i'd say like i personally don't find this patch to be that fun but that doesn't mean that i think it's like a really bad patch I think there's a lot of viable things, but I'm just kind of bored of, like, Samira meta, I guess. I want to play some, like, AP Flex. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Defender Cup patch, I mean, that was, like, the mech patch. Uh, and I think a lot of people really hated that patch, but personally, I actually enjoyed it a lot. I thought that patch was, like, super fun. So, uh, I, I guess I would say I agree. Okay. okay. Uh, I disagree because I think TFT could be better. Like, I don't think that they've been 
that good, but I think that they're underrated because like, because it's exactly what Clear said. A lot of people going into these tournaments were saying it was the worst patch, or like you know maybe they weren't using words like extreme that as extreme as worst, but they were saying awful patch is a terrible meta, etc. Like I, I can't stand to say the game. It's like actually it's like pretty solid, right? There was I think Defender Cup actually was pretty underrated in terms of the tournament metas in particular mm-hmm. compared to Corrupted Cup. Um, but I do understand why people have their gripes. I think imbalances are almost always going to exist in TFT. It's going to be very rare that we get a truly balanced meta. Uh, and I feel like it was it was pretty solid. Um, a lot of room for improvement. Looks like chat kind of like ends up being more split here, 60% going with disagree. But I'm glad that a lot of people actually were able to analyze it and look and say, hey, maybe actually it wasn't so bad. Okay, the yeah, last I... agree. Oh, go ahead, Bryce. No, go, go. Actually, keep going. I was say the last agree... Could be a quick one, or maybe we get stunlocked here for a long time. I'm going to go to clear for the first answer here. <clears throat> the best thing Riot Games could do to fix balance issues is hire clear TFT. Okay, I, okay, I, I, okay. The, my immediate reaction is that I feel like one of the best changes they've made recently was giving gold to Tome. So like now if you take like 2-1 Prismatic Tome, like, it actually feels good. Like, it's actually playable instead of being, like, a guaranteed aid. Like, before they did that, if you took Prismatic Tome, and, like, a lot of people did, because, like, Dogma was, like, surprisingly popular, at, like, an average placement of, like, 5.5, you were, like, legit guaranteed pop 4. And, like, that that was one of the biggest things that, like, I really wanted. I feel like they should have added gold to, like, a lot more of these augments that were underperforming to, like, make them feel, like, a lot better and, like, a lot more takeable. So I, I think that was, like, one of the biggest ideas... I really wanted to change about the game, and like they they implemented part of that, and I feel like it's it's been really good for the game. Okay, so Wait, I can't tell you if you're agreeing because you're just tell you're basically saying that Riot took one of your ideas for balance, and then you just and then, and then you didn't say anything. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure if they take like all my ideas, they would all work out, like just as well as like <laughs> these changes have, and like the, the game would actually like be a lot better. Great, great, most humble player in North America, by the way. I would love the list of like clears <laughs> like next next section or newsletters like clears five requests for the game of TFT. <laughs> I'm really curious about Bryce and Weijin's perspective. I went to clear first because I know exactly what he's going to say, which was something along the lines of, "Of course, slash I have already been giving them ideas and they've implemented some." Uh, let's go to let's go to Weijin. Oh, uh, unfortunately, I think this one's a pretty easy disagree for me. Uh, I think Clear, Clear tends to be very hyperbolic, and he also, like, changes his opinions, like, every single day. Like, one day he'll say, like, man, like, Samira is, like, so broken, like, they actually need to nerf this shit to the ground. And then tomorrow he's like, man, the Samira unit is, like, actually unclickable, like, you cannot play it from any squad. <laughs> and then, like, he comes back a third day and changes his opinion again, like, there would actually need to be a new balance patch, like, every single day. <laughs> Was, uh, on the balance team, so I think I have to disagree. <laughs> All right, some uh, peek behind the curtain, Bryce. I love it. I mean, the be- it's such a hard like. How do you agree or disagree with the statement? The best thing they could do to fix balance, like I'm sure there's better things. I don't know. I like the be- <laughs> I, if the if the question were having clear on the TFT balance team would add value. I think the answer is yes. Like I think having the perspective of someone that thinks about the game the way he does is really helpful and feels different from potentially what other people have on the team. Um, and 
I th I agree. The thing is, you need a filter, but like like boss of skills is saying, like if you're sorry, like Wajin is saying, if if you're like taking all of his ideas, that's probably really bad. <laughs> but if you're taking, if you're filtering it well and taking the really good ones, like this, adding gold to some of these augments, spouts them out, I think he would probably, like if you found the two, like the however many nuggets he has and use them, I think that would be really smart. I think he could improve the game materially. Uh, I love it. Bryce is taking the technicality of it. It's the best thing. Probably not, but it might be something productive. I just want to say- It's the lawyer answer. How I, I know, I know, I know. I, I appreciate that. I want to say that I think it was today or yesterday where Clear said, if I win Worlds, Mort, will you consider hiring me to the dev team? And Mort said, maybe. He's not off the t it's not off the table. So, Clear, you know what to do. Oh, he, he, he said he would, like, at the very least, like, interview me, I think. All Love right. it. That's what he said. Go win Worlds. All right. Well... 28% agree. And that's all that matters, right? Clear. Who cares about the 72%? <laughs> that says okay. disagree. Okay. I, uh, I feel like the biggest thing is like if they hire me to the balance team and like people start like <clears throat> flaming my balance decisions, I can like rank check them. It's like, <laughs> like, like with Mortdog, like some, some, some of these players are actually like better players than Mortdog. So like, you can't just like rank check them and like, oh, you're diamond. Then like, I, I, I probably like know better than you, but like I can actually like rank check some of these people. And be like, just bit, like just based on rank, like I'm a higher <laughs> rank than you. So like, therefore, I know better than you. I mean, okay, look, <laughs> on the one hand, please do that in the comment section too. Oh, oh god, on the one hand, I totally get where you're coming from because it does like sort of matter. Like Dan and I lament the fact that we feel like we have to climb because if we we can't we can't cast for real, and it feels like if we can't criticize play at all, and we can't criticize play at all if we're like really low OP, even even if we were right, it wouldn't matter. People can't take you seriously. But I will say that Mortog for being like lower LP than all these challenger motherfuckers is like has way better instincts for the game. If you get to give one person, <laughs> yes, you see one person to the keys to the fucking kingdom, you want it to be Mortog. You don't want it to be someone with the highest LP on the server. I will say shout out to Kent. I think he also uh, demonstrated yeah, sure. a lot of good uh, instincts as well. And he also has made really big LP pushes in the past. Wow, that was really fun. Alas, we will move on to basically the closing of the show. One thing we want to do is update y'all on fantasy. That's right. Bryce has been uh, dreading it all day. It's a scoreboard check. So Defender Cup, yes, Bryce beat me by seven points. It was a really close affair. We won't talk about the Eniko debacle. But for Corrupted Cup, the king has reclaimed his throne. 284, 40 points clear of Kurum X, who Kurum also had a really good push. Some of the, Whoever Kurum picked that were doing well was doing really well, but he also picked some duds. Bryce, you know, kind of close behind him, like 20 points, 223. But Solus, the new patented Solus 90, did not work out. He is in Eniko tier, 165. But yet... This probably perhaps shows you just how badly Eniko drafted. Because Solus drafted himself and nuked his budget for $90 and picked Taco Bell Wi-Fi first pick and still somehow outperformed Eniko on the previous draft. I don't even know how that's possible, Bryce. Yeah, that's actually it that's gonna be all timer. The best aspect the best thing that came out of Solus doing this, because kind of trolled the draft in a pretty material way, is that now we get to hold it over Nico for all time. Yes. <laughs> that's I'm I'm never gonna let him forget that Solus paid nine dollars for himself and still beat Nico in fantasy the oh next turn. Oh my god. I, I mean look, I think that these results came down to a couple of things. I think you want it being very right about Setsuko, obviously, like 
spending $31 for Setsuko at the time felt kind of crazy to me. He had, like, he had had one good tournament, but he had coming off material tournament struggles for all the previous set, and he was, like, full running it down on ladder. He was, he was, he was. He was, like, he was, like, down, like, 700 LP or something. It was, like, crazy how much LP he lost, like, right before we did these rankings. So I just, like, like, or right before we did this draft. So, like, I just couldn't bid that much on him. And then, I don't know. I mean, the two picks I... DQA, my man. DQA popped off. I really liked DQA this event too, but it just the way the draft played out, I just did not. Same thing with Nico. Yeah. I really liked Nico. I liked your team a lot. I said to you right after, I was like, I yeah. think your team is yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, I my team, honestly, the two people who I busted on because I got three through the final day, Broccoli and Robin. Yeah, I didn't realize Robin was out of form. That's I, that was a huge mistake. I I was like prioritizing getting Robin on my team because I thought same thing Weijin said earlier, like how. He always makes it. <laughs> like he's always there. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, but I can't believe I had Robin on my team the one time. This man didn't make it to the final day. Like, what the fuck? Um, but yeah, I mean, that's CFT. All right. Clear wage and I look forward to eventually drafting and beating you uh, in, yes, in a future agreed. episode. Uh, alas, that brings us to the conclusion of this podcast. There's one thing we will announce, which is our next episode. Our next episode, we have our guests lined up. It's going to be the mid-set finale preview featuring Robin Songs and DQA. That's right. We'll get uh, DQA and Robin drafting against us. We'll get we'll, we'll even get a little bit of that trash shot because you know we drafted Robin last time. We'll see if he can mm-hmm. draft himself, or we'll even we'll let him have it. Uh, it'll be really fun. And of course, that'll be happening next week, March second at six p.m. Pacific, right here on this channel. And that's it. We're done with the, the reviewed episode. End up being right on time. Let's get some final words and uh, send everyone off to their merry way. Wajin Iverson, why don't you start us off? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm a longtime viewer, so it was really cool to be on. And, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun. That's right. You have a lot of fans in chat, man. There's, I, I've never seen so many pastas about our, our first-time guests. Oh, I, I think it's like the same four fans posting the same thing but your your friends showed up for you guys that's good yeah <laughs> you want to support it's, it's like showtime and and his three alts basically <laughs> uh clear any final words uh yeah it was really fun being on the show like i i've always like watched the shows and like you know ch- chatting like during the shows is a lot of fun uh but i think like being on the show was definitely like a different experience that was also incredibly fun Okay, great, great. I'm glad you did. Uh, is there anything you want to ask any local people oh, in Toronto yeah, yeah. and TFG? Okay. Yeah, so so the the second best player in North America, Clear TFT at the moment, <laughs> is looking quite homeless uh, for fall 2023. Uh, so I'm going back to school, fall 2023, and then it's really hard to find a place. So if, if you are in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada, and you are renting out your place or subletting your place for four months, or you know anyone who is, uh, reach out, contact me on Discord, uh, at clear, hashtag 9999, or Twitch, twitch.tv slash clearTFT, or on Twitter, uh, at clearTFT. Uh, let me know because I'm looking quite homeless. <laughs> Isn't every competitive player incentivized to not give you home housing so that way you don't show up to tournaments because you have no house? Okay, I okay, I I, I even like message like Showtime is like, yo, have you found a place yet? Like I consider like rooming with Showtime, and then he just tells me he's already found a place, and then like he just like completely ditched me. So oh wow. man, when Showtime is rejecting you, you know you're down bad. All right, good luck, clear. Uh, perhaps the highest stakes game you've ever played. 
Bryce. This was a super fun episode. I feel like I talked too much, so I'll just, like, I really enjoyed having you guys on the podcast. I think you guys are both really promising up-and-coming players. Some of my favorite stuff to do in TV, TFT is talk to some folks like you, so keep at it. Excited to see you pop off, and I think uh, there's a good chance at least one of you guys is going to wind up representing us at Worlds, so I'm excited to see who it is. All right. Uh, that does it. So final words from me. We're, again, we're going to be uh, doing another episode on March 2nd with Robin and DQA. Don't miss it. We'll also be doing, or at least I'll be doing, a, a stream for China's Cup this weekend, so make sure you check that out. Also, definitely watch the mid-set finale. Bryce and I will be casting it. That's part of the reason why we're hyping it up. It's going to be a really good time. And if you miss any part of this episode, you can always check out the, the VOD either on YouTube or the episode on Spotify. And if you do happen to listen on Spotify, uh, please give us a five stars because I, I, I think that that's how they also recommend podcasts, especially if you're um, going based off like gaming, different stuff. So it, it would definitely help us a lot. Uh, outside of that, this has been DTI YDK episode number 18 with Frodan, Bryce, Clear, and Wei Iverson. And we'll see you guys next time for more TFT action. Peace.